and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. As the perceptive of you will have already noticed, I'm Jade. No, I'm still not over Pacific Rim Uprising. No, I don't want to talk about it. Actually, yeah, I do want to talk about it. <laughs> at me, I'm quite happy to talk about it. Rose. And today, my co-host is not my usual partner in crime, a certain bearded gentleman by the name of Steele. You know him. You love him. Instead, I've kicked him out. Instead, I've got a guest who's as much of a delight as Hamish, if not more. Please welcome to the show. Uh, this is Nemo. Wrinkle in time was such a good fucking... Oh, wait, can we swear? Oh, you can <laughs> swear as much as you like. Okay. <laughs> so then, this is Nemo. Wrinkle in time was such a good fucking film, and I watched it straight before Pacific Rim Uprising, and I had so many more emotions. Martin... Excellent, excellent. These are these are some elaborate, long titles. Uh, heads up, <laughs> Nemo and I are both <clears throat> feeling somewhat under the weather, and neither of us have been awake that long. But <clears throat> podcasting is a harsh mistress, and and we <laughs> are committed to the cause. But um, Nemo, obviously, I know who you are. But do you want to maybe say a little bit about who you are? Uh, pronouns? Any labels you care to share? You are not obliged to share anything. Just so our listeners know who you are. Sure. My name is Nemo. I am a director and a writer um, for film, TV, theatre, games. Um, I use they, them pronouns. I'm non-binary, transmasculine, and acero, I guess, closest labels. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like nerdy things and I'm trying to make nerdy things. To put on the TVs and the theatres. Which is uh, which is super cool, actually, because um, this sort of leads into what we're talking about today. Um, March 31st was just a couple of days ago. Um, and so Nemo's joined me, and this is why we booted out Hamish, uh, to talk a little bit about International Trans Day of Visibility, uh, how we relate and engage uh, with trans visibility, both as consumers of media um, and as creators, but also uh, sort of as people. Because, you know, we're people. Wait, I'm really... what? Wait, <laughs> sorry, well, what? <laughs> uh, there's, there's an argument to be made that I'm, in fact, um, a renegade fey royalty, but human-ish. Uh, meh, who can I say? I mean, I've met, you, I've met you enough times to sort of confirm that, maybe? I have a uh. physical body that exists... Yeah, but like the <laughs> hair sort of transcends physicality. So oh, that's that that that's sweet of you to say. I've got to say, as somebody who also I know experiences gravity-defying hair on the rig, it's uh, it's 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 nice to say that, hear that. Uh, but the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get into sort of the topic, we're going to do a bit of a. Uh, catch up and uh, geek out. Uh, Nemo is the guest. I know your name was second on the the document I prepared, but if you give me one of yours, I'll do one. You do one, I'll do one. So uh, okay. what have you been uh, geeking out over that you would like to share with me and our listeners? So I just binged watch um, Santa... I can never get it right. Santa Clarita? Santa Clarita? Santa Clarita? One of those. Santa Clarita mm. diet. Um, and I mainly started watching it because I needed a suburban white mom binge. And fair, fair, then fair. it was really funny. So now um, I got slightly addicted. 
Um, I think I know what one that is, but do you want to maybe uh, give the premise in case anyone? Ha- sure. I know it's a it's a Netflix original. Netflix original, isn't it? It is. It's um, it's about a woman. It's a sort of suburban mom and dad with their sixteen-year-old teenage daughter, and then the mom suddenly becomes a zombie or an undead person who you know craves human meat and so it's about these like two suburban white people trying to go around murdering people in the most ethical way possible in like a "Mm, we really need to whole foods this kind of way so it's like super hilarious about like you know ethical it's kind of got that good the good place kind of vibe of like "Mm, Uh. what's ethical about killing people but then mm-hmm. also like we need to find an actual nazi to kill because like who mm-hmm. else do we eat yeah i feel like i should watch it because it's uh, drew barrymore plays the mum, and i've loved drew barrymore since i was like 12 13 <laughs> years old going oh women are amazing <laughs> so <laughs> she is amazing in this and there's uh bisexuals and there's lesbians well there's one bisexual and there's one lesbian canonically well, that, that's doing better than a lot of places so yeah definitely and they <laughs> okay. said the word bisexual in the second season so oh I mean, it took to the second season but they got there <laughs> oh good work santa clarita diet <laughs> um one thing dear christ excuse me one moment <laughs> Um, I want to give a shout out to a video essayist on on YouTube. I first became aware of him through the Lindsay Ellis video, uh, My Boyfriend is a Monster video that Hamish and I recommended in our Shape of Water episode. Uh, His name is Laron Reedus and he does sort of media analysis and reviews and he is a bisexual black man and he's just really funny He's a total fucking nerd, so he is very much the kind of vibe that I gel with. But his analysis is usually coming from a very personal place, but uh, it's also very insightful and interesting. Uh, Some of his stuff where he talks about um, dumb questions straight men ask by men was a particular (laughs) highlight, I have to say. But um, I do recommend checking him out. uh, He's very sort of self-effacing and um, I like that his play, his surname is Redis and he talks about his readers as his audience. (laughs) And I'm like, you took your name and you made a brand. And sir, I salute that. That is a, that's good work. But um, I do recommend uh, his analysis. His his video on fictional crushes was really cool. And his, um, again, I started with his review of The Shape of Water talking about because he's coming from a queer perspective of talking about what it's like to be attracted to sort of monstrous characters, which was uh, which was very cool. Mm, so, that sounds super cool. Yeah, no, check him out. Um, if you just search uh, L-A uh, apostrophe R-O-N space Redus, R-E-A-D-U-S, you can uh, find him and you should check him out. Um, and I know the other things we wanted to geek out about are things that have been mentioned on the show, but one is something I am very out of touch with. So if you want to, what has been happening in Riverdale? <laughs> I actually so this is this is a product of the Santa Clarita diet in that I get really obsessed with things about suburban white people like really obsessed to the point I'm, where my dialect this, starts changing idiolect idiolect starts changing yeah, this is the most perfect reverse kind of awesome just like I really dig white suburbia like <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing like one of my it's really weird one of my fears 
phobias? Yeah. I don't think it's a phobia. One of mm. the things that I'm like really terrified of is suburban white moms. That's because like, they're terrifying. They are terrifying these in a way the, that's these, like, are the, these are the to- I want to talk to your manager. Yeah, people. and like just that kind of like, oh, sweetie, that's okay. And I'm like, please, I don't know what mm-hmm. you mean. I don't mm-hmm. understand. How can I appease you? Um, I have this like... Yeah, um, they're sort of the Cthulhu of my mind. And so Riverdale was like, <laughs> like because I started Santa Clara to Diet and then I watched both seasons in one day and I was like, I need, I need more suburban white moms. And so I started Riverdale because it looked the most preppy thing. Um, uh-huh. How are you yeah. finding it? <laughs> it's really... <laughs> I think I'm addicted to it. I think I am. It's really bad. I, I love it's these suburban trash. white people. It's, it's so trashy. I need to oh, I need man. to I need to get back because there was a moment that got totally memeified. Um, oh in, man! In season one, which is a, a little mini speech that Jughead has about being weird, and I was like, "Okay, oh it, yeah." <laughs> and it it might be really badly written. To be fair, I don't know because I've only seen it like captioned. But as somebody that also tends to wear a beanie and feels very much an outsider and very weird, and has had said stuff like that and reads Jughead as autistic, I was just like cool this is no longer fun for me to watch so I'm gonna not Mm. and haven't gone back yet I'll get over myself eventually and get back into it to be fair Jughead seems to be the only one who acts like a 16 year old teenager in this high school of 16 year olds I don't Mm -hmm. know how old they are 17 something like that I think so He's like uh, the only one who is realistically a person who could have existed in a high school, whereas everyone else looks like they should be in a law office. Like, Veronica yeah, sh- struts around. But at least Cheryl Blossom looks like she's from another planet, and that kind That's of at least true. is the vibe she's going for. But it's like, I feel like Riverdale is never p- trying to say, this is a realistic portrayal of high school. This is just that, like, yeah. we we extra and we leaning in. <laughs> I love how everyone looks like a cartoon character. They mm. just, they, I, it, it feels almost rotoscoped how like yeah. bizarre everyone looks. I should, I should, I should get back to Riverdale because I've heard like some stuff that's been happening, and I'm just like, you mean it got weirder? Poor, <laughs> wicked. I should, uh, I should get uh, back to that. Um, but the thing I, I finally uh, got caught up on and geeked out over is uh, Queer Eye. Because everyone was talking about it on Twitter, just like the the new the revival of the show, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and I love the new <laughs> Fab Five, and I want them to be my friends. <sighs> so bad. I did skip episode three, which is the one with the Trump supporter who's a cop, and I was like, uh, I don't need, I don't need to yeah, watch that. I skipped that one too. Mm, I skipped the but, middle ones. Yeah, I don't know why. I have, um, I've seen some interesting, I say interesting and valid criticisms about how uh, it can really veer a little bit into classism, like, Mm. which is, I think, what happens when you throw anybody who's like very sort of well off or comfortable into an environment they're not used to. Mm. And, but there are definitely a couple of moments where I feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. um, Because of that. That first episode was quite like typical of that. Where yeah. they were like, hmm, you shouldn't be eating this all the time. You should be buying like 12 avocados a day and just yeah. eating them. And also, mm. here's your house with stuff that you probably couldn't have afforded to buy for yourself. Yeah, um, like I think episode, 
four is where they're making this. Uh, this guy literally has about three hours sleep a night because he works two jobs. He has six oh, children and it's just like, I mean, they and I feel like they did some good to help. And like one of the guys had a really nice conversation with him about, because this family is very religious and just talking about mm. what it means uh, for him and his view of homosexuality because the, this particular member of the Fab Five also grew up in like very religious sort of uh, deep south. So that was kind of a cool moment. Um, I also find it interesting watching it, just sort of like my own internal biases, which I know are a result of like growing up in the UK mm. and like living up and just like how... Um, Sometimes I feel, God, that's a little, that's, that's, that guy's a lot, really. That is, mm, that seems like an excessive amount of personality. And I'm just like, why have I got that attitude? Mm. And I'm just, a part of it is because the autism can make people who are very big personality wise make me kind of go, oh, okay, cool. But it, I like that it's made me go, hmm, question why I have certain reactions to certain people and, so I can address mm. that and not do it in future. Which is actually why I think shows like Queer Eye are super great because it's like making, because uh, obviously like Queer Eye has always been popular with straight people um, and, and straight women. So it's just like, okay, so here are some like gay guys that you might not meet otherwise. And, you yeah. know, they are people too. And I kind of liked in episode one how they said their mission statement sort of was in the first season it was about here we are we aren't going anywhere you can deal with it and the mm. say, they were like the second season no it's about acceptance now we're here now you just need to get over yourselves and accept it and I like that a couple of them are married and they talk about it openly and uh, it's a more diverse bunch of gents this season <laughs> which is which is cool and they just got renewed for a second season so oh, did I'm they? Sure. guys come to the UK I know a couple of people that I would totally like to uh <laughs> Just, you know, that will be fun. That will be fun. But um, that's an, that. I'd also like to see them like make over a lady or a trans guy. Mm, I think that yeah. can make for a, a really cool episode. Cause that, but that's just me. I, I went really quiet because you said so many good points. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I really need to be addressing my own like prejudices and like uh, like the flamboyancy and stuff. I too have that like ah flamboyant people. Yeah. Uh, it makes me slightly uncomfortable, but yeah, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, addressing yeah. the things that you. Mm. Yeah. Before we get onto the topic, it's just like because I saw on um, where that that really awful business where oh, the whistleblower got outed, um, who was connected to the Tory party. Oh yeah. And then, but there was um, also like the anniversary of Section Twenty Eight either being repealed or when it was first put into action, and how obviously we don't have that here anymore. Mm. And when I think about what Section Twenty Eight did to such, like, I'm part of the generation who was uh, was in education under Section Twenty Eight, mm. and it was just sort of like uh, Google it. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but. Section 28, where you weren't, where teachers could not pro quote promote homosexuality in in schools by basically saying you couldn't say it's okay to be gay. Mm. And it's just like, Ugh. and that woman just got fired from her job in America. Um, yeah, because she talked about having a wife. Yeah, it's just like you think we're doing okay, and then. 
let's move on to today's topic um, sure. or beginning of today's topic. Um, International Transgender Day of Visibility, uh, an annual event occurring on March 31st dedicated to celebrating transgender people and raising awareness of discrimination faced by transgender people worldwide. Um, it was founded back in 2009 um, by a transgender activist, Rachel Crandall from Michigan, because um, it was a reaction to there was a lack of LGBT holidays celebrating transgender people. And the only sort of well-known holiday was the Transgender Day of Remembrance, mm. which is uh, where we mourn about the, the murder of, of transgender people. <laughs> and that was just like, well, we need to sort of address that. So thank you to uh, Rachel Crandall for sort of getting that going. Uh, but yeah. yeah, and so it's been going since 2009. Um, but I think I only really became aware of it when um, on in 2015, there was like a big push on social media of people like posting mm. selfies and stories and stuff like that. And that also, to be fair, it, I think it's one of those things. I don't know if, if you've found this name after I sort of... I say, I say, I always feel worried about using the term came out for my gender identity because I don't know whether that's quite what happened. But I know, obviously, for a lot of uh, trans folk, it is. But I think it's one of those things like once I knew that I was, okay, I'm non-binary and trans, I suddenly saw so much more yeah. stuff. And I yeah. think there's a, I think that's a, 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 reg, a, cred, a, a, a psychological phenomenon. Like once you become aware of a thing, you then see it. It was always mm. there, maybe, question mark. But because you're sort of, the blind has been lifted, you then mm. see it. I also, I, I read this thing. Um, there's this lady called Stella Duffy. She's super cool. Um, mm. she's, she writes books and stuff and theatre. Um, I've adopted her as my lesbian mom. She's great. Um, <laughs> she <laughs> was talking about how, She's read a lot of articles recently where it said like, oh, I've never, um, I've never seen anyone talk about this before. Um, and she was like, no, you probably have just been ignoring it the entire time. Even if that's not willful ignoring, like it yeah. doesn't affect you until it affects you. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is, yeah, that's really powerful because it's like, yeah, there's probably a lot. Well, yeah, I mean... I did the same. I didn't really know what non-binary was until a couple of years ago. Mm. And like also didn't really sort of realize about being non-binary until fairly late. Um, yeah. Fairly late, like teenagers kind of age. I've, I mean, I've seen people recently say, you know, I was five or four. So mm. to me, it feels late, but it's not late. Um, yeah. Seeing someone say so clearly, like, yeah, you know, People have always suffered these things. You've just not bothered to see it before. Yeah. Even if, yeah, even if it's just because you don't know it exists, you know, you don't see mm. it. No, it, it is just, and I feel like that's part of why for me, I try to talk about, I try to, t I am, what is words? What is speaking? Mm. How do? Uh, the whole thing about being visible, like what trans day visibility is like, we're here, this is us. You might not realise, here are some issues we face, here are some statistics. This is the good work that we are doing. It is like putting things on people's radar that perhaps mm. they wouldn't have been aware of 
beforehand, like what you were just saying about Stella Duffy. It's like we need to put this stuff on people's radar so they become aware. Because I, I think um, a friend of mine, um, Mia, I've seen her talking about this on Twitter before. It's like a lot of people aren't actively transphobic. Like mm-hmm. they aren't. Mo- the majority of people aren't turfs. They aren't like trying to fuck up trans people's days. They're either ignorant, willfully or otherwise. They're just sort of going about their day. Mm. And they don't think about trans people in any active way. And while it's great, cool, you're not out like burning houses and telling people to kill themselves. <laughs> great. Yeah. But by putting this information out there, people that maybe wouldn't have thought about it once are just like, huh, cool. I didn't know that. I should maybe. Yeah. And even if like one out of 10 people go, oh, I should make more of an effort to know things. That to me is like a good start because I think I like to think that the majority of people aren't colossal assholes. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that too. Yeah, call me call me naive. I don't think <laughs> humanity is an utter toilet filled with the worst of the worst of the worst. I try to. I, I like to believe that people at heart are decent, if not amazing. I appreciate that transphobia is a, a hard thing to unpack. I have to deal with unpacking my own internalized bullshit all the time. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. And I and I have a thought and I'm just like, oh, is this internalized transphobia? Is this internalized trans misogyny? Mm-hmm. So when so when like cis people are just like, I'm not transphobic, I'm just like, buddy. <laughs> like I spent like 10 minutes going do I look too much like a woman today and then had to unpack <laughs> what did that mean yeah. why is that an issue so mm, sit down yeah <laughs> please I, uh, I, that's mm-hmm. such a big thing like I know that I'll I, I don't think I, I've talked about this a lot with race but I've never really talked about it with uh, about like gender before but there's this sort of like there's so much like community infighting that we tend not to talk about publicly because it's that sort of like, well, if we tell the outside world how much we're fighting, then we'll be seen as lesser or like our yeah, problems. We, 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 we have to present the phalanx, the united front, lest they exactly. not take us seriously. Yeah. Um, because, but yeah, I know recently mm-hmm. there's been a lot of stuff in the transmasculine community where it's like... Yeah, I was uh, going to mention that. Yeah, so people have been saying, like, um, you know, you have to be this, like, ideal idea of masculinity, otherwise you're not trans, not, not a trans man or you're not transmasculine and sort of, like, devaluing people mm-hmm. who whose identity is maybe more feminine or, you know, femme or, like, just don't like dressing up very typically masculine or acting typically masculine and stuff like that and saying and there's been this big thing about um if you don't feel dysphoria then you're not trans Uh, yeah and it's like well some people don't have to hate themselves to be transgender like how is that such a like you shouldn't be shaming people for not hating themselves surely like it just means we've built a strong enough community where people feel confident in themselves yeah. without hating themselves and yeah. like stuff like that and and like that never gets any visibility so a lot of trans mm-hmm. people i'm sure don't even know that these 
debates are happening and probably thinking about it themselves. And mm. yeah, that's horrible. I mean, there's so much, and it feels like almost every day there is, um, and obviously we're, we're both based in, in the UK, but it feels like every day, every week, there's some new transphobic thing out in the newspapers or the magazines or some turf is once again <laughs> shouting. I was going to say, I was going to say her mouth off. Tran, turfs are you, uh, very large. I don't, you don't tend to see many male trans no. radical exclusionary feminists because of the whole quote feminist, feminist part. Yeah. So because I, um like, Again, I, I, I say again. I'd like. I, I did try to. I was hoping to get a, a lady to join us today because the uh, experience of trans women and trans mm. feminine uh, folk is obviously different to what uh, I experience and what Nemo experiences. But um, even as like a part of the wider community, seeing that and it just makes me angry. Mm. But of course, then there comes a thing just like, oh, uh, that having to like not get angry when you're being like, when you're facing opposition on so many sides. It's just like, no, we have to be the bigger people. Yeah. And it's pleasant and we have to be, we have to explain away any sort of, um, Mm -hmm. any uh, thing that they don't, they don't know, they don't know about it and stuff. And it's like, well, why are they shouting at me in the first place if they don't? understand it yeah the emotional labor falls on us as a Mm. community to to try and explain it and i i I saw this uh so i think it was a tweet just like being non-binary specifically Mm. it's just like feeling like you have to have a a degree in gender studies just to explain who you are Mm. just like oh i'm non-binary what does that mean um okay and there's no like one fact sheet that will (laughs) No, we should work on a fact sheet. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. But then it'll be so specific, and then we'll just like yeah. get into loads of tangents. And the, the, yeah. the reason why there's no fact sheet is because there's no one non-binary experience, right? And yeah. it's like non-binary it's, is such a huge umbrella. And it's mm, just like uh, I think sorry. we happen to fall in somewhere the same place, and I think most of the non-binary people I know fall in the same sort of area of like transmasculine. Mm. um afab and stuff like that and yeah yeah it's it's good it's definitely Mm. good on trans day of visibility for trans people as well to sort of look around and be like oh hey you know um these are my issues these are some Mm. other people's issues and like uh share around the love as well yeah it's about like lifting up each other's voices and each other's experiences, especially when they're ones like, oh, I've never had that. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. And I think when I first sort of was coming to understand what my gender identity was and, and who I was, seeing people talking about it. Like I think I, I, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I came in via genderqueer mm. and, and what that meant and then sort of. Uh, I literally, I, I think it's only in the last couple of years I've come to describe myself as trans, and I know a lot of non-binary people don't like to describe themselves as trans for mm. varying reasons. My, I know my hesitation was I worried about being appropriative, and like, mm. um, is it okay for me to use that? Because again, I because my experience felt so different to to like the trans men and the trans women I knew, 
and I didn't really have any non-binary friends at that point. Mm. I went so. through the similar phase of like a lot of my friends were trans, yeah, um, trans men or trans women, and I thought that I was just copying them, but to like a lesser degree. Like, oh, I can't even like copy them to the extent where I want to be a trans man. Like, um, mm. yeah, and not knowing what non-binary and stuff was until yeah. I, I don't even know when it was. It it must have been around Trans Day of Visibility because I don't um I don't know how it could have crossed my radar otherwise. Sure. Yeah. Weird. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit to talk about what it means to us specifically to be visibly or not visible, as the case may be, because we live in the West and there are only two genders here. Um, <laughs> but uh, as people sort of outside the gender binary, uh, what our place within the community, our voice, uh, maybe talk a little bit about privileges we do or don't experience. This is a nice, small, easy, softball topic. <laughs> for pre 10 a.m. recording. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. On a Saturday morning. It seems to me that I'm always talking about this stuff pre 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Maybe that's just where my life is at now. <laughs> um, shall I go first? Do you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, no, please go first. Um, so I recently wrote an article for ethnics.com sort of talking about how I feel about my privileges because so I'm half Japanese so I'm a person of color but even when I was saying that I was going to say I'm technically a person of color because I I wrote it in the article I get very fucked up over like one being mixed race two being very light skinned three being um half Japanese which is like so fetishized that like everyone wants to be Japanese like or you know the internet mm. seems to like there are all these articles about how white girls want to be Japanese and blah 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 um, how, how Japanese is the good kind of Asian exactly be, and I'm using yeah. big old invert big old air quotes around yeah that. yeah and like even like the uh, one of these things where you know, you're never taught it, especially in the UK. I don't know where else in the Western world it would be taught better, but, um, like, we're not taught about East Asian wars and stuff like that. Like, mm. we barely know about the opium wars, which, you know, British people did. Um, yeah. Let alone things that Japanese people did to other Asian countries, which don't include World War Two. So we only really get... Mm, so World War Two, Japan, Hiroshima, and then you get anime. Um, that's basically <laughs> Japan. Yeah. Um, and they build robots now. Isn't that cool? Um, oh. So weird tangent. I feel the same kind of way about non-binary. Mm. In 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 this weird like. Um, you have to prove yourself as trans to feel trans and it's sort of relating to what we were just talking about um, with yeah. trans day of visibility and stuff um, because I'm East Asian or mixed East Asian and there's recently been a trend of like East Asian women who cut their hair really short and look quite masculine I mm -hmm. 
often get that sort of privilege of looking like that fashion trope slash looking like a prepubescent 14-year-old Asian boy. Yeah. So I have that kind of luck of, you know, even as a now 23? 23? Am I 23 or 22? I don't I'm know. I'm so old. <laughs> sorry please carry on <laughs> i don't know how to reply to that i'm so no, sorry no no ignore me succumbing to the ravages of age over here it's fine <laughs> i'm just very i'm just very dramatic it's not that bad <laughs> i mean age what is it it's a number um mm-hmm. but like i recently went to nottingham and i bought an under 14 train ticket and, like, the train conductor didn't even look at me twice. And I was that, like, cool. Nicely done. You, fuck the system. <laughs> fuck the system. Um, so that's where my privilege with my gender identity is. It's like, I, you know, I have all of this, like, privilege. And then something shitty will happen. Um, mm. For um, So I was on a panel a couple of uh, months ago now, Um God, it turned so bad so quickly, Um, which I won't go into because I will talk for hours about it. It was just really bad. Um, I was the only only trans person on the um, panel of um, the rest were all cisgender women Mm -hmm. and uh, audience members kept misgendering us or me by being like, oh, you're all women there and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, This Mm. one woman was like, oh, you know, I worked in the LGBT community for a really long time and I don't understand why you think you still have problems. And I was so taken aback that I didn't know how to answer. And she was like, oh, you know... um, And I was like, I mean, I can't choose what gender I want on my passport. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. like the one thing that's been on my mind very recently because I've been trying to change my details and stuff like that. Mm. And she was like... But how does that affect your personal life, your work life? You know, you don't have AIDS. And I was like, wow. Oh, that's, wow. that's, that's a thing. That's a statement and a half. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And it's like not to invalidate people who have HIV and AIDS. But, you know, oh. I can't. I find it really hard to find work knowing that I'm going to have to come out to people and to explain it and to maybe not get the job because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, even if it's not in a monitoring form thing, yeah. just the whole, like, oh, you know, I don't know how my other co-workers are going to deal with this and, like, am I going to be having to explain gender identity to every single person I meet? Yes, yeah. probably I will. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm going to get lazy about it and, like, my last workplace, I said that I was a trans man instead of non-binary because I just couldn't deal with the fact... They had a really high turnaround of workers and I yeah. couldn't deal with the fact that I had to keep explaining non-binary every single time. So I was like, he, him, he, him. It's really easy. He, him. You know what a trans person is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have this kind of like balance of like... I have some privileges and as a person of colour, my like, you know... Trans women of colour often have it a lot worse. Um, yeah. So as a trans person of colour, my, ident- my, my identity is not the same as other trans people of colour. Mm. But I still have these, like, daily problems 
issues. Yeah, mm. these daily things that do come up and that are related to my race and gender mm. and privileges and yeah it's things that I never feel confident talking well you know it would be really annoying if I had to say this whole spiel every time I met someone so that they could be like oh I understand your identity yeah um now I can treat you like a person mm-hmm. you know? uh I uh obviously uh come at things from a different uh perspective as far as the, I say the world, that's a little, yeah, my interactions with the whole wide world on a regular basis. I walk around the world and for the most part, when people look at me, they assume that I'm a cis woman. And uh, with that, obviously, oh, oh, a white cis woman. Specifically, um, I'm able-bodied. For the, I don't count my joint issues. They don't impact my life in any kind of regular way to... So for me to worry about not having that particular aspect of privilege, yes, I'm um, neuroatypical as well. But again, people don't see that. They see a white woman when they look at me. A lot of people see a queer white woman and I'm just like, cool, I don't just buzz the sides of my head and dye my hair really bright (laughs) colours for the funsies. I mean, yes, that's a big part of it. But uh, it is my way of flag of going, hello, yes, I am not for the straight men's. <laughs> Doesn't stop a whole bunch of the straight men's. <laughs> I'd like to put that out there. Just like, how are you looking at me and going, yes, this is somebody into me? And I'm just like, honey, no. Mm. Honey, no. But that's a whole other topic to unpack in and yeah. of its own right. But so, yeah, I am... Um, pretty much constantly misgendered uh, because people, most people here in, in, in the UK, in the West, don't, if I, even if they're aware of non-binary people, don't tend to jump to they for strangers. Mm. And to be fair, you, uh, the whole gender neutral pronouns is also an issue because I know that like tra- for trans women getting misgendered, that's being called they, if you're a trans woman, can be just as hurtful as being called he, him. It's mm. just as wrong, which is a uh, uh, my sister and brother-in-law are both really good about using uh, the correct pronouns for me. They also tend to use they pronouns for most people if they're talking about mm. them and they aren't there. And I'm just like, okay, that's cool, but also that's also technically misgendering as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're trying to be cool, and I really like that you're being. Um, we should work on this, but it's better than cool. Yeah, great. Yeah, thumbs up. Um, (laughs) so I mean because my relationship with being non-binary and what that means to me I feel like perhaps I would be more right in my gender identity if I was coming at being non-binary from the AMAB side Mm. of things but I don't know all I know is that I have the appearance that I have and the voice that I have. And so for the majority of people, they're going to go, that's a woman. And Mm. because I'm regarded in that light, I have the privileges that come with being seen as, as, as a white cis woman. And it's a pain in the ass. (laughs) Like privileges are great. Don't get me wrong. Privileges are awesome. And I I try to (laughs) use the privileges I have. Mm. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't feel like I should speak on any women's issues mm. anymore. Yeah. I, I feel like that I, I, I will happily amplify voices 
Like, mm. I, I, I retweet a lot for that reason. It's just like, I don't, my place is not to talk on women's issues anymore. Mm. Because that's not who I am. But that doesn't change the fact that for 26, 27 years, I feel like that's when I started coming to terms with or my understanding of who I am is like, I I was, I considered myself to be a woman. But like that time, it's just like, that's all behind me now. And I'm like that, I feel like I can't speak on those things anymore because I'm not a part of that community, despite the mm. fact that the majority of people will see me as such. Mm. And that is a headspace that I struggle with a lot because it's just like okay I can't speak on women's issues I definitely can't speak on trans women's issues though I can try and amplify the voice I'm not a man hmm. okay so here I am with my non-binary friends going is there anything we can talk about <laughs> like and I appreciate that there's a massive intersection and overlap between like the issues that women face and the issues that non-binary people face but also I feel like in those conversations where it's just like oh like um when you see like the hashtags trending for like visible women visible artists things like that mm. it's just like so often non-binary people get lumped in with women yeah and I'm uh, like that in and of itself makes me uncomfortable because one you aren't seeing non-binary people as different and two mm. there are a there are a lot of AMAB like non-binary folk for whom mm. they might want to be like more closely associated with women than men but mm. also there's a lot of amab non-binary folk just like i'm not a woman mm. and you shouldn't lump us in because we don't want to take from women as yeah. well as we want to be seen for ourselves and then you got then it comes back to the unpacking am I just being misogynistic now is this because I yeah. hate being a woman is this because society has taught me that women is bad mm. I, I often uh, feel bad there are a lot mm. of like I you know I'm I'm emerging writer so mm. there are a lot of competitions that I'm trying to enter and stuff and there are loads of really cool competitions right now that are specifically for women mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like I don't know, one out of a hundred times it'll say women and non-binary people. And I'm like, I can't, I never feel like I can enter the like general populist ones because I have, I've entered pretty much every writing competition in London um, yeah. for like, but I always feel like, especially for like smaller scratch nights. So like um, performances above bars and stuff like mm. that it will be too trans for a topic or like, oh, you know, we're not talking about trans issues, wait for LGBT month or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so when these big like women only ones come around, I'm like, do I pretend to be female so that mm -hmm. I can like get my voice heard? But then that's taking away from women mm -hmm. and it's always women who have to like reduce their spaces but, yeah. you know, there isn't an infinite amount of space for people, which is something that I've been trying to think about as well. Because I always have that, like, oh, maybe I'm just being misogynistic. But, you know, there isn't an infinite amount of space. No. Like, and, yeah, it's such a, it's such a it? big issue. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
and like oh. it doesn't get talked about and it doesn't get seen and like yeah. it's it's really weird most of my friends are non-binary now or or don't don't identify as cisgender mm. and it's such a big issue between us and then you take one step foot outside and it's like oh 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 no this is mm. not talked about at all and like yeah. you have to reduce such big issues mm. to nothing when you're talking about especially on days like trans day of visibility because it's like it seems like trans day of visibility is to just be like hi i'm trans now you've seen me but it's yeah. like i wish that we could talk about such big issues that we're facing um mm. and like have those be seen instead of like yes i'm a transgender person and i'm a human being please give me some rights like yeah we're still stuck at the basic level don't yeah. misgender me rather than at the intricate details of like trans misogyny in our community and stuff like that yeah oh. <laughs> i think we should have a tea break a refresh because we've talked a yeah. lot um and uh yeah we'll uh we'll talk more about sort of like being consumers and creators of media in the uh the second half but i'll uh i'll stick the kettle on It's the middle section of the show. Hello. Hi. This is where we stop talking about the main thing and talk about this stuff here in the middle. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Um, if this is your first time listening to Box Not Included, I hope you're enjoying yourself. It's nice to have you here. Um, and for our returning listeners, it's always good to have you with us. If you uh, have enjoyed today's episode, um, you, maybe you could share it with a friend. Uh, rating, reviewing, subscribing, this is all stuff that helps us out a whole big bunch. Um, Nemo, you are here for the first time. Do you have any other ongoing projects or podcasts or things you would like to tell people about? And maybe they can check your stuff out. Sure. Um, so I do have a podcast. My podcast is called Bread and Barricades, a Les Mis podcast, and it is about Les Mis. Um, specifically... <laughs> Um, because uh, it, it's sort of like an angry at academia kind of thing. It's it's kind of a lot of what we're talking about today, and that like um, academia tends to be, or like history tends to be written by white cisgender men, um, most often straight. Mm -hmm. And uh, looking at literature is always so through one person's perspective. Like we're told that you know. This one historian or liter liter li literature professor um, has told us this is how Victor Hugo felt and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when I was reading Les Mis and, you know, I am very big in the fandom, as in big into the fandom, not like big in the fandom, um, there's so much that can be said about queer identities and like um, the barricades is so reminiscent of Black Lives Matter and all of these prevalent issues that we have today. The prologue is all about like um, how society can never move forward without like addressing um, poverty and um, consent and issues of like female, uh, single women, single mothers and stuff like that. And it's so relevant to mm -hmm. culture today. So Bread and Barricades is a lot about, yeah, 
trying to make a French classic novel more hashtag relevant. Um, <laughs> I... Um, yeah, I, I've listened to a couple of episodes. I need to sort of uh, get caught back up. But uh, you guys are really fun to listen to. So <laughs> Thank I, I, you. I, I can I can recommend. Um, I'm also doing a couple of. Um, if if you're in London, I'm doing a thing at Rich Mix um, on the fourth of April. I don't know if this will. It will be like just as this comes out, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's a workshop on how to be a good ally. Um, workshop discussion it's kind of um, the theatre called Improbable runs Devoted and Disgruntled it's sort of about theatre but it can be about real life and if you want to argue with me about any of my opinions I've sort of set (laughs) this day up to be like okay come fucking fight me then Um, come at me bro exactly so if you want to fight me or if you want to back me up or if you want to talk about allyship or stuff Mm -hmm. like that you should come and talk. Yeah, it'll be really cool. Hopefully, cool. cool. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's finish up these beverages and uh, get back to talking about the other thing. So, let's talk about like being consumers of trans content as trans people. That's a sentence, right? That sounded like a yeah. sentence. There were yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. words. Definitely a sentence. I think there yeah, was pun- it certainly. felt like there was punctuation. but yes recommendations of trans creators perhaps some representation we enjoyed what we got sure um the the most recent one that came up i still haven't watched it this is really annoying because like two out of the four of the things that i know that there are trans people in like Mm -hmm. in 2018 i haven't watched just because then like Mm. so my first is rise on nbc which has Uh um a non-binary actor called uh ellie um at you know ellie um playing a trans guy um and it's sort of i'm assuming it's very like glee it's sort of about singing and stuff all right and the character seems really cool and the actor seems really cool but how do you find nbc shows in the uk i don't know how to watch it so Mm. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, alternatively, Ian Alexander in the OA, because I have Netflix. So yeah. um, the OA is so good. And Ian Alexander was the first time I saw myself represented on screen and uh, amazing. It's um, Ian Alexander is a transmasculine actor who is East Asian. Um, but American East Asian. Um, Mm -hmm. And God, it was so cool seeing him on screen and just, he he has very little screen time, but every moment that he is on screen, I'm like, oh, me too, me too. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a really subtle way of portraying a trans person. Like his arc in the OA is not to do... It's it's not about him being transgender. It's about him being a guy who's caught up in a murder mystery-ish thing. And he has to deal with um this big on-running online, online mystery. But also he has some problems with like um, 
being a trans person while also doing these things. And it's really cool to see the intersection of like plot and character as all things should be written. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. such a simple that, thing. That that sounds like a hill you spend a lot of time on there, Nima. <laughs> <laughs> what? Me? No. Mm. Uh, things uh, that aren't TV, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Especially about making sure uh, non-binary femmes of colour are seen. Um, I only know them that I think they're models slash activists. Um, okay. Alok um, at Alok V Menlon and uh, Travis Alabanza. They are so cool. They've just done a photo shoot. Um, mm-hmm. They are both trans femmes of color. And um, all of their awesome. photos are so, you know, they're models, so they're really beautiful. And the lighting of the last one was so great. Um, but then you read the um, descriptions of the photos, and it's all, like, the horrible thing that's just happened to them. And they post, like, twice or thrice daily. And if you really, like, if you... If you want to see some beautiful trans creators, go mm. and see their Instagram. If you want to know about how dif- different it is to be a trans femme of colour instead of a trans masculine person of colour, go mm. and read what's under their um, photos because it's so vivid and, you know, it is a lot of, like, you know, don't don't go and read it if you are particularly in a low place or if you want to feel happy with the world because it's tends to be quite depressing but yeah. the fact that they can still make these beautiful photos and that they can still um they can still be so visible and have such a big community surrounding them mm. does give hope at the end so yeah yeah that's kind of a a mixed bag there yeah that's awesome um i suppose another couple or more sort of actors um, and I realised that a lot of this is sort of like actors and models. It's just like, I think it's because it's the easiest for them to be visible, I feel like, just because that's how our society works with the consumption of media. It's the people that you see. Mm. And we are talking about uh, visibility, though I know there's somebody we need to mention uh, uh, with regards to the Oscars. But the um, Grey's Anatomy of all shows um, hired an out trans actor uh oh, alex cool. blue davis um and there was a storyline about uh his character um like a spoiler I, I don't know how many of our listeners watch Grey's anatomy but uh there is a conversation where casey's talking uh to his boss and this is just a small part of casey's story um talking about how he uh broke into the dmv to change the gender marker on his license because they wouldn't do it <laughs> that's super cool yeah, uh, and literally has the line in the show about uh, I'm a proud trans man, Dr. Bailey. I like for people to get to know me oh, before man. they find out my medical history. And it's like, holy shit. Holy That's shit. That's super cool. But apparently this moment came after Casey had just saved Bailey and all of the Memorial Hospital from a hacker who had taken over the hospital's computer systems and air conditioning, leaving several patients in jeopardy and pushing the hospital to the brink of closing. So, you know, ah. great... Grey's Anatomy, yeah. but it's yeah. just like the, the fact that it was a uh, oh okay, and this is just a part of it. But it, I believe this was the first time it came out. 
but they worked hard with the actor Alex and with uh, with Glad on the storyline because they wanted to do right by that story, mm. which is so refreshing. Even if like I I don't watch Grey's Anatomy, I I understand what it is from a distance. It's just like this is a pulpy sort of soap opera set in a hospital. I, I know McDreamy is in it. This is my extent of knowledge about Grey's Anatomy. So, but mm. even like, if even a show that isn't like highbrow entertainment, like the fact that they're doing it, just like, see, see, it's not hard. Can you, do you see how not hard that was? Yeah. And the, well, um, considering, the, um, mm. uh, was it Coronation Street? I mean, they don't have a trans actress playing her, but. You know, they've had a trans character on for a really long time and cool. I know through uh super secret things that another um soap is going to be bringing a trans, possibly non-binary character onto the show. Who what could it be? Mm. Um, <laughs> um yeah. It's interesting. In, mm, so yeah. you carry on. I, I was just thinking um that like that line that the guy in Grey's Anatomy said um, reminds me, again, another thing I haven't watched, well I have watched I didn't like it, Billions um, mm. it has a non-binary actor called Asia Cake Dillion, Dylan mm. on and um, their first line was my name is Taylor, my pronouns are they, them and you'll respect them, or something to that effect, and Hell yeah. yeah they work in a highbrow um, mm. oh, what they do, they make lots of money they're like in the trading stock, yeah stock industry thing and they've mm. just been promoted to like one of the lead characters and stuff so hell that's yeah super cool if i'm remembering correctly as well asia dylan was um nominated for an emmy and yeah. they asked they asked them what category the nomination should go under mm. whether it would be actor or actress in a supporting role and i'm like you should, I think Hamish and I discussed it. It's like, you should just get rid of that whole thing. Yeah. Just have, but the fact that they asked. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was notable. Um, also, a quick so, mention of, um, of, a, of a non-binary personality that I liked, uh, Jeffrey Marsh on Twitter. And I, 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 mm. I, I see them a lot on Twitter and on, on Tumblr uh, getting retweeted and reblogged. And it's just like... There's such an amazing presence of positivity. Just like mm. they are so wonderfully them in everything they put out there. And as somebody that likes to be a positive person and try to put that kind of vibe out into the world, mm. I know it's it's tiring and it's yeah. not easy a lot of the time. And as a as for for Jeffrey Marsh as a, a trans femme person because we live in a society just like we'll look look at them and go that's a man in makeup <gasps> pearl clutching mm. gasps swooning fainting <laughs> couches but to see what they do and just like but also talk candidly about issues within the community and about the, the community face from the wider world while still being this force of positivity is is really cool definitely i mean very very recently um homegrown well i say homegrown they're <laughs> british um mm. three people that i know jake graff who is a director and actor um he and his wife just got married 
and <laughs> the sun had them on the front page on their wedding day. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, but you know, they obviously have remained positive, and you know, they were on the front page of the sun, so suck it, um, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Al and Fox, Al, Fi- Al, Fox Fisher, and Al. They have um, really good documentary series on YouTube, Facebook, mm-hmm. My Generation. They're really cool people. Ooh, My Generation. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, they often do call outs on their Twitter for people who want to talk about their stories. If you want to, you know, get in contact with them. I've heard that they're nice people. Um, two cool. people I haven't met. And, um, sorry, <coughs> Paris Lees. Um, was the first transgender person on Question Time a couple of days ago. Now a week ago, probably. Um, Uh And, yeah, she was really cool. She was talking about trans issues and trans rights and basically being like, you know, you've talked about trans people on the show a lot, but I'm the first trans person on the show. Hmm, what's up with that? Um, So that's a cool watch. I think it's on Facebook everywhere if you just search Paris Leaves. She was also the first trans woman in British Vogue, maybe? Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So she's she's cool and visible, again, with that, like, model actor thing. Though, yeah. um, so referencing the Oscars earlier, um, mm. there is a guy called Yance Ford, who is the first openly transgender person nominated for an Oscar, who was nominated last Oscars. He didn't win. Um, mm. For uh, directing Strong Island which is a documentary about his brother's death. Um, mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm not too knowledgeable about it. I think his brother was um, murdered, like mm-hmm. police brutality kind of yeah. uh, kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. He's also a, a, a black guy, and it's quite rare to see, you know, mm-hmm. A, black people... B, trans black people. C, trans masculine black people. Um, You know, he didn't get very much press for being nominated for an Oscar, but what can you do? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, One last shout out of a trans creator that I I really dig is Jen Richards, um, who was one of the creators and uh, the uh, actress in Her Story, which is a web series I think Hamish and I have talked about on the show before. I think it's all on YouTube, uh, but focused on on trans women. And it, it's a really, I don't think it's a really easy watch. It's a it's a good watch. It's really well written. It's beautifully acted. But um, so you should check it out. But what I particularly like about uh, Jen Richards, and you can follow her uh, at Smart Ass or it's Smart Ass Jen, um, <laughs> is that she will frequently talk about the issue of the casting of men as trans women in Hollywood, mm. and like she's directly like called out people like Matt Bomer and Mark Ruffalo and, and for varying projects, just like talking about the struggle of being a trans woman in the industry and what that means, and she's just a very really cool very funny lady that isn't afraid to go she did this brilliant breakdown of just why it's so Mm. dangerous to have cis men play trans women and how that feeds into a lot of the the violence that occurs against trans women and Mm. I think yeah no 
but I don't I can't remember how long ago that particular thread was, but she's just a very cool lady and uh I recommend and she's a an inspiration uh as a creator for I just want to say this is going to end up being quite short because we've talked for quite a while already um, <laughs> considering all things, but it's good. It's good. We hope this is I hope this is a a good episode to listen, but um Nemo, you mentioned at the top when you introduced yourself that you're sort of a writer and a director. Me, oh, I'm, yeah. I, I am, I am less so of those, but I am a voice on the, the internet, sort of. And <laughs> you are, you are. Thank you, and um, like the various things I'm involved in, but talking about uh, what it is to be a, a trans creator, about be the change we want to see in the world, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I've seen a lot of discussion about this recently, like how a few years ago people were just like, oh, if you want to see like gay content, just make it yourself. And now everyone's just like, <laughs> cool, we made a thing. Just like, we didn't mean that. How dare you? Why is there gay things everywhere? Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, well, you told us to do it. Don't underestimate the motivating power of spite, yo. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, we can't do the thing? We can't do the thing? Hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought we could like sort of round out the, because uh, we didn't get any questions for No Box Box Pop. So this is just me and Nemo asking each other stuff now. Uh, sure. But how, how we sort of try to, to, to do, be representation of our community in the work we create. I know you and I sort of became friends sort of through uh, yeah. one of your projects so yeah. which is out there in the world um yeah man friday it's a web series that you can watch for free on youtube oh my gosh free content um love that free content yeah exactly um it yeah it was definitely made out of spite it was made because um me and my friend it was mostly it started because we want to see westernized east asians on screen and not mm-hmm. You know, doing the, uh, I work in a Chinese restaurant slash, you know, I'm a Chinese prostitute because you Mm -hmm. can only be Chinese if you're in England, obviously, um, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And so, and we also wanted to have a non-binary lead and, you know, yeah, we wanted it to be cool and not racist and not stereotypical. Um, so yes, I... I had this huge thing of like, I really, really want to find a non-binary actor because I didn't know any at the time um, to play this non-binary character. And for about four or five months, we had a casting call out and nobody responded to the point where I was like emailing actors emailing the actors I was talking about above, Asia Kate Dillon and Ian Alexander and, like, all these people and just being like, do you know anyone who lives in the UK who's non-binary and wants to act? And, like, it got to the point where I was like, maybe I'm just imagining the fact that non-binary people exist because I can't (laughs) find any. Um, And then I think it was Hamish that retweeted my thing and then Mm. you saw it and... Then a couple more people saw it because other people were retweeting it. And it really came down to like friends of friends who wanted to act um, Mm. rather than because I started off too big. I think I should have like stayed closer to home. And I managed to find about eight, I think, in the end, non-binary actors who wanted Mm -hmm. to be in it. And suddenly I was left with this like massive 
oh god now i have eight actors jesus christ <laughs> um obviously couldn't cast them all but now always want to write for these eight actors so you know um Spoilers, I didn't get into Man Friday, but you really shouldn't <laughs> hold that against it. It really is, uh, really is a, a, a fun show. Like, do watch it. Uh, but now we're making something else together, so... Yeah, we are. Um, watch this space, because I don't want to give too much away, because its form is shifting. It's very nebulous right now, but yeah. that's, that's exciting. But also, um, are you allowed to talk about the play you're working on? Or is that kind, um, of, or is that kind of a... Yeah, I can talk about it. Um, because Kitchen it's clone. really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> um, so I have a play that I'm writing um, about a transmasculine East Asian guy. <laughs> what do I write? Um, and they, tell you, they tell us to write what we know. Like. <laughs> um, it is a queer comedy of errors. It's very Shakespearean. It's a period drama set in the 19th century. And it's basically, again, written out of spite. I really love period dramas, um, but, you know, people of colour in them are always oriental sex slave or um, black slave or slave or butler or slave. Um, so I'm I, sensing a theme. It does a tiny running theme. Um, mm-hmm. So this play is about a group of queer people of colour who are all vaguely aristocratic, who live in England and who are based on real people who lived in in the 1850s and it's really really cool and gay and i love it a lot and it's um being shortlisted for things and longlisted for things and uh, maybe maybe soon maybe something is happening to it so again watch this space i'm really excited (laughs) i i I got to be involved in a read-through of it and it was really just really fun just to read so uh, <laughs> I, I, I look forward to seeing uh, what what comes of it. Uh, but um, for me, in my more limited scope, I consider myself on the big scale more of a performer than a, a creator. Though what I'm really good at is hanging out with creators and giving them ideas and just... <laughs> I'm like a weird muse of sorts. You are the fame muse. It's amazing. Yeah, I I really get to hang out with and bounce ideas off and help generate (laughs) ideas. And then people go, I have more ideas than I know what to do with. And I'm like, eh, what do you want from me? (laughs) But um, obviously, as as a as a create as the things I do create, I have this this podcast uh, where I talk as much as I can about being non-binary and trans and what that means to me and how I relate to the media that I consume. Um, the, the other big thing I create, and it should be coming out this month, <sighs> uh, is the actual play podcast uh, that I'm working on. Um, cool. It, the first season slash campaign of it is a cyberpunk game. Or I call it cyberpunk, it's synth noir, and part of what I want to do with it, and this is something I, I've I've pitched it as a panel for Nine Worlds this year that I really oh, hope cool. gets picked, which is um putting the punk back into cyberpunk. Mm. Because even with like Blade Runner 2049 and um Altered Carbon, Cyberpunk, even as it's being created in 2018, still is very dominantly cis, het, and white. Mm. And that don't that don't fly. Uh, 
The whole nah. point of punk is that it's counterculture. Like, mm. and so, so if you are just representing the culture that you have, but with like a really, let's admit it, a bitch and aesthetic slapped on top, <laughs> but, you, but you have failed at punk. Yeah. So, but part of uh, what we're hoping to do is like our, my cast of players, I think only one of them is white. Um, cool. I should say that's the characters. Like my, I have a couple of, a couple of my players are people of colour, which is amazing. I'm really glad that we're not just a bunch of white people. Um, <laughs> um, there is me and there is another a non-binary player. Um, most, over half of the cast are queer. Um, and as we sort of go about creating this world, I, as, as, the, as the GM, um, I am making it, I think of all the NPCs I've introduced so far, none have been straight. Amazing. Um, a few are non-binary. I've got a trans man as one of our prominent NPCs. Um, he's also uh, Arrow Ace as well, which is like something I knew I wanted to do. Um, that was a, one thing that one of my players sort of helped push for as well. Mm. And um, I'm gonna, they're going to be meeting a trans woman soon. Uh, which is really cool. Um, it's something that I know a few tabletop creators have talked about, is that desire to have the representation while mm. also... Because um, sometimes you don't, you don't want to sort of go, this one here, this is a trans man. <laughs> that lady there, <laughs> yeah. she attra she's a trans lady. Especially yeah. when you work in an audio medium. Mm. Because yeah. um, I follow uh, this amazing uh, creator, uh, Deep Space Amy, um, a trans lady who does like tabletop games and has had a couple of podcasts. She's awesome. You should follow her. And but uh, she talked about uh, a character, an NPC in one of her games, uh, because she purposely described this woman in a certain way, but she didn't want to risk uh, clocking mm. um, the character. So I'm currently in a bit of a space where I'm trying to work out how I should describe characters in an audio medium to make it clear that they are trans because the good thing about non-binary characters and gender fluid characters is if I use they them pronouns when they're <laughs> quote on screen people go well that's probably not a cis person there yeah but I'm I'm excited because there's a, a trans feminine guy that's going to come up soon that I've, I've cool and that's something um I'm part of a role play collective called Natural Ruckus and as that goes on with there, I'm looking forward to playing characters again. While I am seen, as, as far as work out, immediately as a cis woman, I'm trying to play characters that aren't. Like I'm currently playing a an incredibly pretty uh, half fae bard with butterfly wings called Blue. <laughs> he is very pretty and incredibly feminine in, in how he presents himself and how he... Uh, interacts with the world i he's also like a victim of a lot of horrible things which is why he's also mm. white because i was like i'm not going to create a character that i know is going to be miserable and have horrible things done to them because again there's quite enough of that <laughs> already but yeah so that uh, that's my way of trying again to be visibly trans and to put that out there it, it was a, a really small thing, but when we were getting ready to go live with Natural Ruckus as a channel, uh, when we were coming up with our overlay, I pushed to have our pronouns on screen. Hmm. Just uh, even though I'm the only um, non-binary per person in that group, I said, no, 
you don't just because I'm well we could just put your pronouns Joan. I was like no 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 it's about mm. normal it's about normalizing yeah and so that was that and I just realized something I forgot to mention in our trans creators and I'll quickly loop back uh briefly I'm aware how long we've been talking um I've talked about this podcast a lot on the show uh but the Penumbra podcast is one of my all-time mm. favorite things in the world and they've just come back with a new episode um, oh really oh yeah <laughs> Juno Steele is back my my disaster by child is back um Amazing. but Juno Steele is a trans feminine bisexual man and mm. uses he him pronouns and refers to himself as a lady mm. and is a disaster and is bi and is a disaster and I love him but what's cool one of the creators of the Penumbra podcast uh, Sophie Kainer very publicly has talked about um Sophie uses quite happily will quite happily accept she he and they pronouns mm. and has talked quite candidly on Twitter about their shifting gender identity and mm. that's super fucking cool super super cool and Sophie is totally one of us because Sophie was just there just like what is it about my sexuality being women that can uh, that people that can kill me it's just like <laughs> <laughs> what is it about queer people that being attracted to people that look like they could destroy us it's just like <laughs> but uh, yes if if I haven't convinced you already to listen to the Penumbra podcast please listen to the Penumbra podcast and definitely at me about it because I always want to talk about Juno Steel <laughs> so, can uh, I really quickly please. mention something as well please um, so tabletop RPG. I actually have two things. Um, so there's a uh, podcast called Riverhouse Games. They have um, they have episodes called Games Closet. Um, they mm-hmm. are uh, uh, they're an LGBT themed tabletop RPG discussion podcast. Um, so they talk to creators of uh, tabletop games and um, they talk about theory and blah 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 i'm on an episode that's coming out soon (laughs) and i talk about um the same kind of things that you were talking about like um queer characters and like how to how to put in queer characters into your tabletop and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. and also if anyone is going to be in edinburgh during edinburgh fringe i'm going to be doing i'm going to be stage manager for a show um called Adventurers Wanted, and it's a live-action tabletop RPG. I think it's going to be streamed as well. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of inviting first-time players to come and play, so if if you've ever wanted to join in but you don't have any friends or you don't really know how it goes, then that's really cool as well. And, you know, I'm going to be there, so if you're trans and or a person of colour or anything like that, and you feel uncomfortable about large groups of white boys playing tabletop, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, which is a thing, um, yep. then I will very happily teach you or play with you or, yeah, whatever, be there for you. So, hell yeah. Yeah. I'll another quick shout out to the Penumbra because I am a, a fan geek. It's in my handles online. I don't know. I do not apologize. In the first half of season two, we also met uh, Penumbra's or the, the Juniverse's first non-binary character who was like explicitly mm. non-binary and used they them pronouns uh, played by a non-binary actor. So cool. Good job, Penumbra. Good job, uh, indeed. 
Uh, but we have talked for a very long time. Um, <laughs> Nemo, it's been great having you. So I, I feel like I will probably get you back on the podcast because it's fun talking to you. <laughs> as it was always. amazing talking to you as well. Cool. Uh, but to, to the listeners, um, future episodes. I have no idea what next week's episode is going to be, but Hamish will probably be back. Probably. I like him enough. Probably. He's a I didn't co-host. kill him. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Uh, but if you have any questions, uh, dear listeners, please uh, let them know. They can just be random. Do you prefer crunchy peanut butter or smooth? It depends crunchy. whether it's... To- it's crunchy. It de- Always crunchy. Don't even oh, ask the question. For me, it depends if it's a sandwich or if it's on toast. No, you're wrong. Oh, well, I'm wrong about many things. Uh, but please, uh, send in the questions. Uh, you can do so uh, to our, t- our Twitter at Box Not Included or Box Not Included at Gmail. Uh, we have a Tumblr, also Box Not Included, and there's the Box Not Included Facebook group, which is private, um, and you're more than welcome to come in and start some discussions. It's full of groovy people. And there are also uh, direct Twitters. Um, if you want to contact the the lovely uh, Hamish, uh, just to say the show was nothing without him, I mean, that's hurtful, but you could tell him that. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, he's at Hamish Steele and I'm at Rose. Nemo, do you want people to be able to find you on Twitter? Yes, I do. Find me on Twitter at Zeus underscore Japonicus, which is quite confusing, but I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> and as always, uh, a shout out to Graham Waller, audio overlord and master of the sound waves. He composed our theme music. He helps produce the podcast. Uh, and quite frankly, it wouldn't happen uh, without his influence. Uh, but until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Nemo Martin. And don't let anyone box you in. <laughs>